I love microdosing. I love microdosing. Yesterday, I needed to go practice my drums and I popped a little microdose gummy and I'll tell you what happened. I drummed for about a good two hours. That's fabulous. Yeah. I was looking at our new roof, hoping that it wasn't going to leak and I got some anxiety about it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gummy just to calm down so I can go to sleep and not worry about this. And I did and I had a great night's sleep and I woke up and there was no leak. I've noticed a change in you for the, a positive change. I like to hear that. Yeah. I feel like your mood is like very centered. I'm sleeping much better. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just that right amount of good. And you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com promo code pants. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com promo code pants for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com promo code pants. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alicia, I like to give you the floor because you love announcing surprises. You'd be a great game show host, but I'm going to say- You know what I would. That I'm excited because we are actually working on some surprises for everyone for February. And we aren't quite ready to reveal it, which I also like. It's like, maybe I like teasing. I don't know. It's a new thing I'm realizing No, you like to spoil it, but this time we convinced you to control yourself and you didn't spoil it. Right. But we are going to play one of our favorite episodes. So it's a throwback- or a repeat, and it's with one of our favorite people on the planet, Coleman Domingo. If you've been living under a rock and don't know who Coleman Domingo is at this point, he is the star of Rustin, the film on Netflix. Which is amazing. He's playing Mr. in the color purple. He also is Ali in Euphoria. He's he's literally he's one of everything. the great, also just one of the greatest people um, ever the nicest person, the like kindest person, the the most talented person. So Col- all Coleman's of this the is- kind of guy when you walks into a room, you just feel like a sunny day has landed in your house. Yeah, and you have to um, fight everyone off now at this point to get to him. You're like, <laughs> so we were lucky to get him on pants when we did it's because true. now it would never have happened. No, he wouldn't be able to squeeze it in his schedule, but. We sure got him back in the day. So we're going to repeat this episode so you can all hear how wonderful he is. And And please watch Rustin if you haven't. Yeah. All right. So enjoy this conversation we had with our sweet dear friend, Coleman Domingo, back in the early days of pants. Coleman Domingo. Okay. First of all, I don't think there's a more special person walking on this planet. We're going to launch into everything incredible about him, like as far as his career and everything he's accomplished and all the projects everyone should tune into that he's currently in. He has this presence. And I felt this when I first met him and I and I only met him through through you guys. Oh my God, like the warmth this man radiates. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, I, I can't even put into words. I know, you feel when, when you're in a room with him, you feel lucky. Oh. 
You're like, I can't believe I get to be here next to this man right now. He just oozes the most incredibly warm, beautiful, tender, caring, yeah. creative soul. And he has that ability when you're speaking with him that like when he's looking at you, you can tell that he's he makes you feel so seen. Yeah, he's actually listening to you. He actually cares. That's what it is. Right. But not everybody possesses that. No, they do not. It's a gift. It's it's I don't I don't think it can be taught. You're just born with it. He has that in in a way that it's incredibly overwhelming actually. Yeah. I mean that in the greatest way. And I think everybody he touches in life, everything he works on, like you can tell he just has this giant community of people who love him because they feel the same way you and I do right now. And we mm-hmm. haven't even been able to work with him yet. I would give anything, anything to work with Coleman. Right? Anything. Anything. I would love to watch him on set. I'd love to see his yep. process. I'd love to be directed by him. I bet he's the most incredible director. Oh, God. Love to be directed by him. I mean, my goodness. Like, I would give anything to be in a professional environment with him and just watch his magic. I know. Well, maybe one day we will. So, Happy New Year. <laughs> okay, before he hops on... Is there anything you wanted to uh, talk about? <sighs> Not really. <laughs> I've just been home. What about you? <laughs> so interesting for a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been home. What do you want from me? I, I discovered my new favorite director over the holiday. Okay. Who is that? That was a big moment for me. Who is that? Yeah. Or you don't have to tell us. Oh, but... no. Um, Andrea Arnold is my new favorite director. I, I think she's an absolute genius. The other one is, uh, I think her name's Garrick. I've discovered two female directors that I'm obsessed with. And that was my holiday. (laughs) Right. That is a lot. (laughs) That was the biggest uh aha moment for me. How about you? How am I doing? Yeah. How you doing? I mean, I've had better times. Oh, for sure. But I'm good. I think, you know what it is? I'm scared. I'm just scared about everything. Yeah. And I don't really usually live in a place of fear. Right. What are you scared about? I'm scared of COVID. I'm scared of uh, how we're going to get out of this. Yeah. I'm scared for everyone I love and for basically the entire planet. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I hate you know. to. I hate to ruin your confession, but Coleman's here. Okay, great, good, because that's way more interesting. Admit, and there he is, Coleman. Two sexiest, gorgeous women that I know. <laughs> <laughs> No, you must have the wrong podcast. You have the wrong two ladies on this podcast. I'm all, I'm all turned on. I'm like, where, where do I start? <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing myself. You are. You're myself. <laughs> Coleman, I love your shirt. I love your shirt. You know, I wore this for you actually, Kate, because I thought Kate would like this. It's- I love it. It looks like a Kate shirt. You're the only man I know who can sport summer gear in January. <laughs> Thank you so much. I went in the closet and I was like, you know, this seems right. Well, you know, anything in a pandemic seems right. It's so like, true. Damn right. There are no rules. There are no rules. Fuck rules. You know, we were just going on about you. But yes, we the were. The one thing we didn't mention is your fashion, your your incredible style. Yes. We need to get into that also, but everyone knows it. It is true. You have the most dapper, fresh style. Oh, Thank you. Thank Every time you. I see you, I'm like, what are you wearing? Wait, I should be recording all this, right? Wait, let me start this. Wait, I'm supposed <laughs> to be recording. Because this is a great stuff to record. I want to hear this myself. Let's see. Where's the, uh, <laughs> I'll open that up. Voice memos. Hit send. What did you say about my style? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You, you, they can't hear, but they can't hear you. They can only hear me. So should I check out the air, air No, it's okay. It's all going to be. No, this is. You're doing great. Glommed together. So everyone's going to hear everything. Oh, this is hot. Okay. So, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Let's see. Wait, I'll, I'll sit it down on something. I, I, I'm sitting it on Bartlett's familiar black quotation. 
quotations just there you go. yeah so i might just pull out some black quotations oh please, please do, do. <laughs> please do <laughs> okay coleman i'm sure every one of our listeners already knows you but for people who don't we were discussing earlier like how to describe you and then we didn't even have to like really think about it we just were like so coleman and then we were like blah, 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 like about how incredible like you a are. ball of light as a, mm. a ball you know, of light personally mm. you are the most prolific mm. artist i have ever met you are the most incredible actor which i can't wait to talk about all the things you've done writer director producer teacher I mean, where do you find the time? This is also mm. what I've never understood about you. <laughs> yes. What are you doing all this? That's a good question. Where do you find the time? You know, the funny thing is, you guys know me. It's like I really try to have a really a full life in terms of like having dinners with friends. I go on a hike a couple times a week. I will, you know, make dinner for my husband. That's as important as anything else. And for some reason, I feel like I figured this out early in my career. I would say in my like early 20s where, you know, I was hustling as a bartender as well and, you know, trying to do artwork. I knew that for sure I couldn't manage a full-time job. I'm like, that's not in the cards. I've got to design and be the architect of my day because I like the idea, even like I sleep with the blinds open because I like to wake up with the sun. We share that in common. I'm such a Pollyanna in that way. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm the same. I'm exactly I, I like, the same. I like to wake up naturally in that way. And then really, I wake up early and then I try to like have a good part of my morning just for myself. So what kind of, what hour do you wake up? I would say, well, this morning I woke up at seven, which is late mm. for me. Usually I wake up at like 5.30. 5.30? Yeah. And what do you do? What's your routine? Do you exercise immediately? No. I wake up and I go and I walk through the house. Honestly, this sounds kind of like, I'm going to sound like such a Pollyanna, but I walk through the house and most of the time I think, oh my God, I live here. This is what a blessing. Mm. And I walk through, I look around, I see how the sun's coming up. I look how, how quiet it is with no one outside, no cars, anything. Sometimes I open a front door and just get a sense of like the temperature and just feel it out. Smell here. There's a bird that lives next door that's always talking sometimes. And so I'll just listen to that. And usually he does like, and I'll go like, fresh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's for you. For sure. Oh, I know it's for me. I know it's cat calling me constantly. It's, uh, it's really abusive. Okay. But then, and then I'll just like, I'll go make coffee and then I'll sit and I'll put on KSM mm. in San Francisco because I lived there for 10 years in my favorite jazz station. So I put that on an iHeartRadio and I listen and I have my coffee and I'll wake up easy. Usually I love to wake up when, and Raul knows this too, my husband, he knows that I need a good hour and a half to myself. I'm not good for anybody unless I had that time mm -hmm. to sit, think, I'll just start, maybe I'll just like, you know, read a little bit, see what's going on in the news in some way. And then I'll shut that down. And then I may go, in, usually I'll take my coffee. I'll come in here. If I have to learn lines or write or something, I'll get some of that done, whatever that is. I like, I really like learning lines in the morning. Because I feel like if I can get hmm. a couple pages in by nine, I feel successful. So, and I like to get it ahead of time. Like, I'm like, I, I never felt like, and you guys tell me, I never felt like I have an incredible memory. Oh, I've never had one. I have a good memory. You do? I do, yeah. For me, I realized memorizing lines, it's a muscle. And the more dialogue I have, the faster my muscle gets strong enough to memorize things immediately. It leaves my brain yeah. when I'm done. Oh, it's yeah. gone. Like it was never there, right? That's what happens to me. Correct. Having a lot of dialogue is better for me than not having enough. When I don't have enough, I don't know those lines at all. I gotta have like five lines in a scene. 
And I'm like, line, what, what is that? What is it? Go on, yep. skip. And you're waiting for your cues and you're like, what are those cues? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like it's impossible. Yeah. We're basically saying I need more, I need, I need more work than it's about me. I need more lines. So I, I remember it. <laughs> right. 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 You just did a euphoria special that everybody needs to immediately watch yeah. today. When you're listening to this podcast, go to your TV. I'm, t- I'm trying to describe like what it did to me. I, Okay, so I see you do everything because we're friends and I love everything you do. So I'm always tuning into your your next project. This one, I mean, there's a couple you have out right now. Okay, but this one like blew my fucking mind. You play the sponsor to Zendaya's character, Rue. Everyone knows this show. It's, It's called Trouble Don't Always Last. Here's something actually you have with every character you play. I have this this feeling where I either want to hug your character or be hugged by your character. Like, you kind of walk that line. Your performance was so beautiful. And I read today, I was reading about how you prepped for that because talk about having a million lines to learn, that you needed it. You had it like a month in advance and you you spent like 40 hours a week learning that. Is that true? Yeah. I basically came into my office at seven in the morning after I got my coffee and I basically rehearsed for 40 hours a week. It felt like a short play. And I knew the demands of this episode was different than what I'm usually given. So I knew that I had to attack it differently. So I went back to my theater roots and I really, I was like, well, I have to research, deconstruct it, open it up in all these ways, learn the lines in a different way. Everything's attached to history, um, to references, you name it. But then the goal I want to know all of that and know everything that I'm talking about, every reference, why I'm talking about Nike, why do uh, why do a lot of Black people become Muslims, all this stuff and research it. So I'm sitting here researching everything, talking to people in recovery, you name it. I did all that and I did it quietly because I was like, but that's my work so I can just be in the room. And you guys know as actors too, that sometimes we know that there's all the other things happening, camera, scenic, all this other stuff happening that almost gets in the way of you just being. And I knew for my money for this role, for this specific scene, because it was all in the text. It's what Sam wrote. Sam wrote these glorious monologues. that was wrestling with all the things that I think that have, were in my heart and in my mind and questioning about uh, the idea of a revolution, redemption, about our humanity. Everything that he was saying, I felt like it was some way in my consciousness and on my heart. That, that thing that we keep asking, that we want to do is to be in the moment. If I know all this, then I'm not thinking about lines. I'm not thinking about research. I never even had to pull up my sides for the first time. I knew it all. So I knew I just had to come and sit and be and listen and respond and let and trust my language and trust my scene partner. I didn't come in with a preconceived notion over, oh, how is this scene going to go? I was like, I have no idea what Zendaya is going to bring. But I knew that I had very clear intentions in my lines. I don't know. The only thing I knew was that the, the, the episode felt bittersweet. The way I think that song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, sounds. I, was, mm. I, felt like, well, I felt like in my mind, it feels like Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is, it's, it's a real dirge of a song, but there's a tiny, tiny bit of hope in it. Tiny bit. And have yourself a merry little Christmas. Now, nobody's telling you to really be jolly. You're like, it's going to be bittersweet. And so that's what it, that's the only thing I knew is that I think it feels like this. That's beautiful. You know, so I leaned into that and let it, and let it ha- have, be that quiet, you know? 
Isn't that nice? It doesn't always come around that way, does it? It's rare, mm -hmm. I find, that to have to have a, a role or, or a project that allows that sort of um, and space trust. and time and stillness. Yeah, I think that Sam didn't even have Sam Levinson, the writer director. He didn't come in saying and in, in impressing on what it is. He had a lot of faith in us. That, and that, that, as we know, that's a rare thing. They're like, you have faith in your actors to deliver something. You're not going to try to muscle it and say, oh, it has to be exactly the, what I thought of in my head. He allowed the camera work to happen. He allowed the pause. There's pauses in there where people are really taking moments to find and connect. And he's very interested in that. So I feel like he became, um, he set up the world for us and then he became a bystander. And, and trust and have faith in his artists. And that's all we want. I think we all want this on, on you know, on this podcast. And I think ultimately that's what we want to have. And I think that's what the, the whole episode is about, is by having, having faith in one another. What an incredible message to deliver at the end of the year and moving into the new year is an episode where we say, we can stop. We can just have a conversation. We can have a tough conversation and invite people into it. Because I know that consciously for me, even when I'm talking to Rue's character about certain things and I'm saying you, this, you, that, I know that I'm not saying just you. I feel like I'm speaking to every viewer, any, anyone within my earshot. I feel like it feels like a sermon in a way, but it should feel like an intimate sermon that I, I'm going to give you some hard truths and things that I've been thinking about and give you some tools. Whether you use them or not, that's not up to me, but it's um, just know that you have them though. So it is somebody just reaching across and holding a hand out to you. That's also what the episode felt like. It was like, and how do you get there? But you, you've got to earn that. That re, you've got to, we had to earn my reaching out to Zendaya at the, at the end. And that's where I yeah. wanted to jump through the screen and get a hug. <laughs> I was like, let me get in the middle of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me get in here. I want to get into this. <laughs> you want to get into some of that? But it's always about being earned, isn't it? That's a million dollar word for really any piece of work. It's any scene, any, any, like you have to, for people to care, it has to be earned. That's always yeah. my million dollar word. I'm like, this needs to be earned. If people are going to care, needs to be earned. Yeah. And I also think, don't you think, Kate, talking about this a lot with other, um, especially like we, you brought up my teaching, uh, Alicia, because I, I teach because it's very important to me. And I know there's something I've been asking my students over and over again, whether it's they're working on monologues or audition tapes or anything. And, I'm, and I always say, you've got to leave something there that you can't get back. Mm. And if people appeal to anything with me as an, as an actor, I know that I'm very conscious of that. Like, what can I, I need to give something over of myself too. That, that is hopefully some truth. I know whenever I would get off stage, people would always come up to me and say, I thought it was the most interesting thing when people would say, can I have a hug? Are you kidding? This is real? This is real. I used to get that. I can't believe, I cannot believe that. That's so crazy. <laughs> Listen, that's how I feel every time I see you. I which, want a hug. Is, I, I, and I never understood that. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, when I go to the Comic-Cons, people are like, can I get a hug? And I'm like, well, that makes sense because they're giant fans. <laughs> you were born yeah. with that, though. That's not something you can teach no. or instill in someone. I, that's your spirit. Thank you. That's your spirit. You were born with that. Thank you. No, you were. It's it's so authentic. And you know what's interesting also that the other project you have out right now, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, another incredible performance by you. You play Cutler. Seriously. Interesting that the projects both sort of feel like plays that have been shot for television. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. So well, that it is. one, yeah. It's August Wilson. I know, but I'm saying like to, yeah, like it's it's a similar thing you're bringing. 
which is so refreshing on television. You know, maybe that's because I, it's funny because I think maybe people are calling on me because of my theater roots. I, I always consider I'm, I'm definitely a character actor. I'm somebody who like I like to do all that work. So if people who want sort of me to show up and just do me a version of me, it's not interesting to me. So I'm like I love doing all the craft work of creating. I mean, you should see me in my office sometimes. Raul peeks in here and it's like, he's like, are you working on something? I said, yeah, I have, I got, I'm building playlists. I'm doing collages. I'm doing this, all this. Stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's all part of the work. It may look like I'm just playing, but I'm actually literally playing in here. Can I ask a question? I need a fangirl out for a minute. Go for it. I've been a huge fan of Viola Davis for like 25 years. Yeah. I've been watching her work when, you know, she would just like pop on and little like in projects is like, you know, a little, like a little tiny role. She's always stood out to me. Yeah. What's she like? What is she like? When I tell you she's incredible because she's kind, she's easy. She's like, there's no, there's no fuss. She comes in and she's kind of like, he's like, hey, how's it going? She's very, very simple, I think. And always, when yeah. I tell you, she's one of the most, I'll use this word, she's ferociously smart. Mm. She's like, I think that in her, at her best self, she's a, she's definitely a college professor at like, you know, at, at Harvard or something. Because really, really, it makes sense that she was doing that role teaching on how to get away with murder, because really, that is a lot of her. She is thinking, she is lo- examining mm. this phone from 20 different angles. You know what I mean? And she has a, a hypothesis on all of them. So she's really, I love working with her because I feel like you feel excited. You're like, oh my God, I'm learning from someone. And then I'm, I want to get in there and show off some smarts and, and challenge this person on that theory. Oh. You know, so she's, she's really lovely. She's really funny. And she can cuss too, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to ask. I'm just, I've been obsessed with Viola Davis for as long as I can remember. And I had to ask uh, because <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't, oh, I couldn't not ask that question. So thanks you're, you're for letting me fangirl out welcome, for a minute. Man. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Here's another question for you, Raul. I mean, uh, Coleman, sorry. I just called you your husband's name. You can call me Raul. That, that's fine. Because we're, we're all one now. Why did I just call you Raul? Because, because, because he's my better self. <laughs> <laughs> Coleman and Raul. We're, we're like a band. Well, yeah, it's exactly. like like Kate and Anna. It just like goes yeah. together. Yeah, it's like a TV show, Coleman and Raul, followed by Kate and Anna. Exactly, great lineup. Wednesday night. Wednesday, but, you guys got Wednesday. But, totally. I think it was your first play. It was a boy and his soul. Yes. Yeah. Is that your first play my that you wrote? Play, and it was a one man show. Yeah. You play yeah. a number of different characters. Yeah. I love those shows. My God, do I love that style of theater? Oh, thank you. It's set in Philly because that's where you grow up. How did Philly, being my local Philly brethren, how did that shape you, if at all? Wow, that's a great question. I feel like in every single way. I remember when I moved to San Francisco. No, that was 1991. I moved to San Francisco. And I almost felt a little shame about Philadelphia mm-hmm. in some way. There's either the main line or there's it's, or it's really, you know, guttural and colloquial and, you know, it was the city, or you know, the people city. in the Northeast or South Philly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it really didn't. We were such a second totally. or third city, you know what I mean? And so it didn't have the clout. It felt really blue collar and kind of raggedy. It didn't have the clout. It didn't have the clout. It does have more what colleges than any, you know, per capita than any other mm-hmm. city in the United States. Right. And so it's a very educated city. It's a very, mm-hmm. um, I think people are the salt of the earth. The, those things I started to embrace about myself when I moved away. When I went back to Philly, I was like, there's no veneer at all. People, it's what you see is what you get. Mm-mm. And that's in every level of Philadelphia. 
It's like there's no there's no bullshit yep. to be honest, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, people are direct. That sounds so nice. Yeah, people are direct. Yeah, and people are very kind. I think. Yeah. Well, it's, they're kind because take it or leave it. It's that. That's sort exactly. Of it. They're all ta- everyone, and I feel like it's across the board. I will make a general statement about Philly people across the board. It's take it or leave it. They're like they either like you or they don't. They. they I agree. <laughs> right. I had that same thing. I wasn't proud of Philly for a long time, and yeah. then I grew up. Then as as I was growing up, I had such an appreciation for it. Same here. And you're absolutely right. There is the salt of the earth ingrained DNA that we all have yeah. that comes out of that town. That about, I don't know do why. Do you think it's because also because we're always considered the underdog? Yes. No one's ever really checking for Philadelphia. So ever. that's why when yes. the Eagles would win, we're like, yeah, you didn't see us coming. We were here the whole time. When the Eagles won, Center City got destroyed. <laughs> when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008, cars were being lit on fire on Broad Street. And it's like, that's considered normal. That's funny. When they won, dude, when, we won, when the Eagles won. He ate horse shit? He got down. He ate horse shit. I was like, that's not the best that we can be. I people. love how you both know that story. Because we were like, that's not our best selves. That's not our better selves. That is not us, you guys. Wait, Coleman. <laughs> on the night that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, the fucking the the Philadelphia police call line where you call in, uh-huh. it yeah. was trending number one on Twitter. <laughs> because as the night was going we go on, shit. We, the night we go ape shit. shit was getting worse. And honestly, someone said it best. They're like that that dispatcher just got signed to CAA because that's how yeah, out of control <laughs> that woman was handling things. It was amazing. <laughs> But you get it. Thank you. Thank you. You get it. You I, I get it so I feel much. Seen. But also, I think I think that's the spirit of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is like a we can do it. Yep. We know you're not checking for us. So which helps us be stronger. We're like, you know what? We're fighting a whole system. Mm. I think we're fighting ourselves. But we're fighting a whole system that believes that that we can't do it. And Philadelphia yeah. is like, we can. Even the, the past election, when it was, you know, bad things happened in Philadelphia. Philadelphia was like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You want to see bad things happen in Philadelphia? We're going to change yep. it We're going to turn everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and guess what? We're not yeah. going to let you forget it anytime soon. We've been waiting <laughs> exactly. for this. <laughs> we're like, oh, oh, you think you're going to sleep on Philadelphia? Just you wait. Wake Come up. Come on out, y'all. Let, let's, oh, go yeah, right. let's go get them. Let's go get them. Precisely. You, you, you call your cousins. Come on, let's get it. <laughs> I know on the election, people were like, I don't know. I'm really worried about Philly. I'm really worried. I don't right. know. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. You have no I idea. I wasn't. Neither I was, was I. I. I was the least concerned. I said, no, Philadelphia, Same. we've got this. Totally. Got you. Yep. I agree. Yeah. I was like, don't underestimate. Hey, Coleman, did you did you write your whole life or was that a discovery later on in your life? That came, I, I actually started out wanting to be a writer. Um, I used to be in like the high school newspaper, stuff like that, you know, bona fide nerd. And I went to college and I studied journalism. What? And I wanted to be a journalist. Yeah, That's why you went to San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to San, I went to San Francisco actually because, to be honest, I was having some financial difficulties. My parents just moved to Virginia. I had to take a pause with school. And I was like just trying to catch up with bills and a roommate. We got kicked out of our house. It was all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? My, one of my best friends was like, you know, call me. You should come to San Francisco. Um, it was uh, three guys living in a studio apartment and the Tenderloin. And they were like, hey, you can be the fourth. Wow. I was like, I'm there. So, <laughs> so you know. That's what you yeah, do. Yeah, 20, 20, 21 years old. That makes sense, right? So, Although it's a bit ironic to move to San Francisco when you have financial difficulty, because that is truly one of the most expensive cities in the country. <laughs> yes, but, uh, it is. But but, but, but you got to think, it was 1991, right. before the dot-com boom and all that. Right. But also, there was four guys living in a studio. Correct. So. I get it. I did that in New York. Yeah, yes. break the numbers so down. I could still yes. make it off of $200. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I literally slept, this sounds crazy, but I literally slept in a closet. Wow. I wasn't in the closet, but I slept in a closet. Are you that guy that writes scripts in your trailer when you're at work? 
Do you have that brain? Yes. Anytime anyone knocks on my trailer door, they know that I'm usually working on a script. That's exactly what I do. With, that's what I do how, with my but how, Okay. Then teach me that trick because- How can I teach you? I mean, you go to your trailer, you might have 10 minutes, then they'll call you back five minutes or an hour later. How do you switch your brain off? I think to be very honest, I feel like because I'm usually prepared for the day. So it's almost like that's behind, almost behind me. Like I'm just going to, I'm ready. I'm ready to shoot out the day. And so I actually always love, and I'm one of the rare actors that love it. When they're like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm called for, you know, 5.30 in the morning. I have one scene at the top of the day and then another scene. Sorry, Coleman, we have to keep you to the end of the day. I'm like, I'm good. I will bring my computer and I am set up in there. It's truly my it's, writing retreat. It's your quiet space. Because I'm, I'm in there. It's quiet. Uninterrupted. Yeah, I got food out there. I don't have to do anything. Everyone knows that I'm on lockdown. No one's calling me because I'm at work. And so usually I'm writing. I'm doing rewrites. And Kate, I've always, I've always been that way in my career. I think it was because of necessity. I felt like I could never afford to just be an actor. So whenever acting work wasn't happening, I was writing something or I was directing workshops and readings. And, and then it started to become this whole thing that it is now where it's like, oh, if I'm not writing something for stage, I'm writing something for television or I'm doing a musical or I'm directing this, or, which is why I'm like, I've always been built to be malleable. So when one thing wasn't working, I had something else going on. Wow. Res you know? Respect. So I think, so I think naturally my body, I worked that way. I love mm -hmm. that about you too. Like you've never boxed yourself in. Like people love to do that to each other where you're like, well, I know you for this. So I'm comfortable knowing you as that. So stay there, stay in your lane. You don't do comedy. So you couldn't possibly do it. Yeah. You're not a comedy actor. You couldn't possibly be in a comedy. Yeah. yeah that's oh yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no way you're going to be dramatic. Yeah. It's incredible that you've allowed yourself that freedom. I think that we've, we always have to take the reins and be willing to actually say no to things and actually move into a different direction that we know that we are the center of what uh, we're interested in. Every so often I would do a musical in New York. Usually by the time I was done with the musical, I would get bombarded with offers to do things like ragtime or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, yo, that's not me at all. I do this weird, crazy musical. You were in Chicago. Yeah, I was in Chicago. That was the most you know, straight lace musical I've been in, but I was in, I was in Chicago, Scottsboro Boys and Passing Strings. You were, sorry, you were nominated for a Tony. I was, I was. It yes. Was, exactly. The moment I was nominated for a Tony. So let's not just act like you like <laughs> dabbled in the theater. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do some I mean, black box theater here uh, and there yeah. just for fun. But, but, you, but you know what though? I always thought that like the moment I was nominated for a Tony, I thought I started to get all these offers to do other musicals. And I was like, that's actually not me, actually. That was that musical specifically. Gotcha. And I knew that what I wanted to do next was like, I said, really want to do a play or something. So I basically said no for a good maybe eight months of my career. And isn't that hard to say no? Sure it is. Yes. That's like you you want to eat. You want to go. People, people are loving you. Your agent's like, oh, it's going to be this or whatever. You're like, no, Keep up the hype. Keep up the hype. And I had bartending jobs. I'm like, no, I'll go back to bartending. I'll do my photography on the side because I was a, I did headshot photography as a side hustle too. I had always had a couple of side hustles. So which always afforded me to be able to do kind of what I wanted. What you wanted to. I, I have this other stuff that's going to bring me income. So I'll just wait. And then the next thing I did was a play. I always believed, and I don't know where I get this from, but I always believed that I had to be in control of it. No, I do know where I get it from. I'll just be honest. Because being a six foot two African-American man in this industry and also openly gay as well. I thought that there were already things that, that the industry would try to box me in as. And it was my job to dictate and say, no, actually I'm this and this and this, and I can play that, I can do this, but I will not allow that to happen. 
So therefore, I would just say, the way you see me is not, I have to see myself first, to be very honest. Yes. You know, because I feel like, you know, they always want to just say, well, Kate plays this. Oh my God, yeah. No, Lisha plays that. You're like, no, actually, I have so many more colors to me. Let me show you who I am. Let me show you who I am. Because I think, I would even Mm -hmm. say with the episode of Euphoria, and why people have been, in in a beautiful way, they feel like they've been seeing me in a new light. But I just, I say to people, I said, I haven't had the material a show that I'm on now. I've even asked them, I said, you know, one, one season, I said, you got to throw me the ball. I said, I, I, I said, right now I'm playing this function and I'm not being used to the best of my abilities and I know I can do more, but you got to give it to me and I can show you that. I've always been emboldened to, if it's not there, to create it. You know what I mean? You know, I'm always talking about the leash. I'm like, well, I'll create the thing then. I won't exactly. bitch about it. I'll just create it then. I create the opportunity. I believe in that. Put it on the page and I can do like, it. Give me the ball and put it on the page <laughs> yeah. because yeah. talking about it. But also, it, if you don't see it, you eventually write it. Uh, then you eventually write it. You just take the reins. In Coleman's world, he just creates it and, right. and it also goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Is there something you love the most or not really? I mean, you play a huge role on Fear the Walking Dead. You also direct that show now. You teach. I mean, I, I can go through the list, but is there something where you're just like, ooh, but I, every time I land in this area, I'm like, ugh, I'm home. Or is it sort of shift project to project? It, th- there's different reasons for different things, but I think ultimately I've always felt like a stronger director. That's the one thing I know about myself, because I think I like, you know, I like the idea of like empowering others, bringing people together, having the vision and then saying, hey, you do that thing. Bring that. Bring that. Let's do it. So I feel like I I like being a a hype man and a cheerleader. And I think that's at the best. That's what a good director is. And I, I love deconstructing things. I love research. That's the part that I love the most is prep. I love prep as it brings up. It's that nerd in me. I can prep. I'm never tired. I love I love long days of prep and and tech scouts and all that stuff. I love figuring it out and then having hope and faith to actually get the job done on the day <laughs> and be willing right. to like say like the whole day can fuck up. And that's actually it's a real interesting, weird high where you're like, I got a couple more hours to get this. How are we going to do it? You know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to boom, 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 shoot that over. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to do all this other stuff. And great. And you make you finish your day and you're like, oh, yes, team. I feel like. Yes, maybe I would have been yes, a good team. coach or something, a good football uh-huh. coach. You know, like we did it. Come on, yes. team. Now let's go home, get some rest, and let's yes. do it again. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got, we got, we got eight more days. Mm-hmm. Let's get it. Come on. So that part feels great. I think that really is the part where I know I thrive, and which is why I feel like I've, um, I don't know. That's where I find my best self. You, truly. you blow my mind. Mm-hmm. Wow, Coleman. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Like you just. You just, Aww, you're, you, you, you just have, again, you have this innate ability that you're born with that you're just an inspiring human being. Well, we both want to be directed by you more than anything. So well, I want to do it. All we ever talk about is getting you on the L word to direct us. Like, anything. You know what? I, I don't how we're going to get this to happen. I think, I think this podcast is going to do it. This will, this will be Absolutely. the, this will be the, this any, podcast is going to do it. Still the deal. <laughs> this is the launching pad to be like we need Coleman Domingo. Listen, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Okay, <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's now been or never. That's the, that's the whole reason why I'm on yeah. this. Basically, to direct you. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a big audition. We would have so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need audition, please. Oh my god, the amount of fun we could oh have my together. God, it'd be oh my stupid. God. We'll make it happen. Well, thank you for taking the time today to talk to us. And listen, 
everybody out there. Yeah, Coleman. Please tune into everything Coleman does because you're going to thank us for it. Yes. Thank you, my beautiful friends. Thank you, you beautiful man, for joining us today. You're a genius. I'm hugging you. Um, I wish I could hug you. Look, there it is. We want to hug you again. You are an absolute genius. You really are. You're an inspiration. I want to hug you guys, too. Oh, I just want to hug you. (laughs) We're lucky to have you in our lives. We really are. You guys, too. Thank you. Truly. And we're lucky to have you on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you for doing pants, also. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited. This (laughs) is the most exciting. I was, like, ready to kick this year off of you guys. I feel like it's going to be a great 2021 because we did this. We did it. Well, yeah. Well, this is a a nice starting point to have you on this. And what a great way to start this podcast. (laughs) We'll see how the rest goes. We'll see how the rest goes. Correct. It's all downhill from here, for (laughs) sure. We won't have any super expectations. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, All right, Comey, we love you. All right, my love. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Love you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Always. Bye, you guys. Ciao. Love to your loved ones. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Pants, a podcast brought to you by myself, Alicia Haley, and Kate Menick. Produced and edited by Arwen Mix. Mixed by Valentino Rivera. Please listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Theme song by Carolina Para of the band CSS. And graphics are by Love Fox.